Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And now, it's time for Serralo Sports Talk with Joe Serralo. Right, here we go. Time for episode 95 of Serralo Sports Talk, the last episode before I head down to Phoenix for the sixth straight year to take on Radio Row and the Super Bowl. Can't wait for everything next week. We've got huge interviews lined up all week, but we've got a big one lined up today too. Ross Tucker, color analyst for Westwood One, former NFL O-lineman, covers the Eagles, has at least, it seems like, half a dozen podcasts of his own, including the Ross Tucker football pod. He will be joining the show very shortly. We're going to talk all things conference championship weekend, best food in NFL press boxes. We're going to preview the Super Bowl. And with today's breaking news, we'll be talking about Ross's former teammate, Tom Brady and his retirement. You know, I had this show all planned out, all lined up that I'd be starting with conference championship Sunday. And then Tom Brady on the second straight year on February 1st announces his retirement. And this time, it seems like it's for good. Now, I made a promise last year when I did this exact show, Serralo Sports Talk, a year ago on the day, I believe it was the day following Brady's retirement, I made a promise that I was not going to give him a tribute when he retired again. Because I gave him one last year. If you find that episode, I believe it's February 2nd, February 3rd from 2022, I sang Tom Brady's praises, gave him all the credit in the world, and I promised I wasn't going to do it again. So I'm not going to give him the full tribute again. I'm not going to talk about all the accolades, the seven Super Bowls, the five Super Bowl MVPs, this, that, and the other. But Tom Brady, I mean, I can't not mention it, right? What a career. And to be just a small part, to see a small part of that career up close. I mentioned that in a few days, I'm headed to Phoenix to cover my sixth Super Bowl. Uh, The first two were Tom Brady. The first two were New England-Philly, and then New England-Rams in Atlanta. Then the following year was Chiefs-Niners, and then it was Brady again. It was Bucks-Chiefs in Tampa Bay. I mean, to see him three times, to have gotten to see him, you know, because I've covered six straight Super Bowls now, but I've been to the last two games themselves to have my first Super Bowl that I've been in attendance for the game itself be Tom Brady in his new home stadium, his first year in Tampa, to see that history of a team for the first time playing in its own stadium, winning in its own stadium. I mean, this is a guy who my best memories of him as a kid were the two Super Bowls that he lost to my New York Giants. Then the first Super Bowl I go to, it's him winning on his new home turf in Tampa Bay against Patrick Mahomes, who you want to talk about passing the torch. Brady, of course, is the GOAT, but Mahomes, I mean, hey, we got to talk about him, right? Five years, five conference championship games, going to win his second MVP when it becomes official next week at the NFL awards ceremony, might win his second Super Bowl. He's on his way to his third. I mean, that Brady versus Mahomes Super Bowl. Thank goodness Brady left New England and went to the NFC so we could see him take on Mahomes, not just in a conference championship game, but in a Super Bowl. You know, it's definitely, it's definitely a sad day for sports in some respect. We knew the end was near, and obviously Brady 
didn't go out on the highest of notes. You know, it it wasn't his best year personally. His team flat out stunk this year. Injuries to the O-line. He was getting beat up. The defense seemed to start the year like a bat out of hell, looking like one of the best defensive units in the league. And then all of a sudden, late in the year, the defense just wasn't as good as we expected it to be, especially on a Todd uh, Bowles-led team. It was a bad exit. It wasn't the swan song we expected from Tom Brady, but it's what happens when you get a little greedy, right? You know, I said that Brady should have retired right after he won the Super Bowl. You know, he went to Tampa. He left Belichick, got a Super Bowl his first year removed from New England. Bam, you proved everything you needed to. I thought he should have hung it up then. He didn't. There was no intention for him to. And last year, I mean... Tampa Bay, you saw what they did with the Rams in the divisional round, right? Down 27-3 at halftime. That game came down to the final seconds. He obviously felt like he had something left in the tank. And he felt like that Tampa Bay team last year could have won the Super Bowl. Of course, they took the eventual Super Bowl champs down to the wire. Wanted to run it back. It's hard to blame him for wanting to do so. But this year was just, it was not a normal year of watching Tom Brady play football. Like I said, both him personally and then the team around him. That just absolutely stunk. But, you know, there's not much left to be said. Tom Brady is indisputably the best to ever lace him up on a football field, especially at the quarterback position. He, you know, we could sit here and we'll be talking about the NFL Hall of Fame next week. We'll find out which five of the 15 finalists on the modern era ballot will be inducted, right? We could sit around and talk, obviously, shoe in first ballot. I say wave the five-year waiting period and put Brady in next week. I mean, seven Super Bowls, more than any other franchise. The Steelers and Patriots both have six. Uh, It's, you know, he's the best to ever do it. It's sad to see him go. His retirement certainly loses a little something because he did it last year and then came out of retirement two weeks later. But it's still a sad day when the best to ever do something decides to hang him up. I'm just glad I got to see him in person once and that I got to see my Giants beat him a couple times on the biggest stage. But Ross Tucker is going to talk more about that in a little bit. We've got Super Bowl 57 coming up. The Chiefs, the Eagles in Phoenix. How about Conference Championship Sunday? You know, I knew it was going to come down to the wire in the Chiefs-Bengals game when the Eagles-Niners game turned out to be the absolute destruction that it was. I said that there's no way we're going to get two ugly horrific games on championship Sunday. You know, last year we were really fortunate. Both games went down to the wire, Chiefs, Bengals, and the Niners, Rams. But when the Eagles just absolutely pummeled San Fran in that early slot, I knew we were going to be in for a treat in the late game. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're they're one of the most dominant teams I've seen in my lifetime, right? I mean, you've got the 16-0 Patriots who were 18-0 until the Giants took them down in 07-08. But the Eagles this year, don't look at their 14-3 and record. And this is what I'm trying to tell everyone who I talk to about this Eagles team. And not just, you know, that they're the one seed. Because people can look at them and say, yeah, 14-3. and Well, the Chiefs were also 14-3. and When Jalen Hurts played, the Eagles were 14-1. and When Jalen Hurts played, and you include the postseason, the Eagles are 16-1. and 16-1 and in games that Jalen Hurts plays. This is, like I said, I'm going to reiterate it, one of the most dominant NFL teams I have ever seen in my lifetime, in my 24 years, 16 and one when their starting quarterback plays. And you want to look at what they did to San Francisco and people could say, well, you know, how did that happen? Right? San Francisco, everyone touts their defense and they've got McCaffrey who they had only lost once since acquiring. And of course, undefeated since Brock Purdy took over in the middle of that game against Miami. How could that have happened? 
It's because the Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field can beat the 07 Patriots, can beat the 85 Bears, can beat anyone at Lincoln Financial Field. They didn't just win all uh, every game except for one which Jalen Hurts played at the link. They won them all in dominating fashion. When Jalen Hurts played at Lincoln Financial Field this year, the Eagles, 9-1 and straight up, 8-2 and against the spread, and their average win, the average of those nine wins at the link with Jalen Hurts came by 18 points exactly. Like I said, they didn't just win all but one game at home when Jalen Hurts played. They dominated every single one of those victories, averaging a win by 18. But this game is not in Lincoln Financial Field coming up. This game with Kansas City on a neutral site is going to be, I think, one of the best and one of the highest scoring Super Bowls we've seen. Now, I know the Eagles have the number one pass defense in football. The Bengals defense looked pretty damn good going into that conference championship game against Kansas City. And I was on the Eagles minus two and a half, and that was the maybe the easiest bet I've ever won in my life. I was also on the Bengals money line. And Patrick Mahomes on one leg, you saw him hobbling out on that field. He, you know, people, when they talk about Joe Burrow right against the Bills, they use the term surgical, right? Patrick Mahomes was surgical against Cincinnati. Burrow was good, but he had two interceptions. And I know, you know, the pocket was collapsing around him all afternoon long. Kansas City really exploited a Bengals O-line that was exactly what we thought they'd be against Buffalo. Right, I think the Bengals fooled a lot of people because their O-line kept Buffalo in check, and they won that game against the Bills. They dominated on both sides in the trenches. That O-line was terrible. And give Steve Spagnola all the credit in the world. I can't believe, especially being a Giants fan, having known Spagnola for over 15 years, I can't believe I doubted him in that conference championship game and his ability to stop Burrow and stop the Bengals. The guy, I mean, after all, he was 0-3 against Burrow going into that game, and Chris Jones, who had never had a postseason sack until that game, had two of them, I think, was the MVP of that game. I mean, and that's that's not just a credit to Chris Jones, it's just as much a credit to Steve Spagnola, who lined Chris Jones up in ways in that conference championship game, we found out after the fact, that he had not lined him up in for their early December regular season meeting. And he specifically said he was going to line him up the same way in that early December meeting, because he knew whether it be the divisional round or the conference championship, that Kansas City and Cincinnati would be playing again, would have a rematch for the second time in consecutive seasons later on down the road. And he saved Chris Jones. It cost him that regular season game, but hey, it all worked out. Didn't cost him the one seed. He saved him for that crucial conference championship rematch. And boy, did that pay dividends. That has to be one of the best, most calculated, premeditated, coaching decisions that I've ever heard of in my life. Like knowing in in an early December game, heat of the moment, you think it's as important a game as any, knowing that you're going to play that team again. And arguably, I mean, it was a tight game. It was a 27-24 three-point game. They could have won even the way that they game planned. But knowing that you might have to sacrifice that game to win, to use your best player on the defensive side of the ball in a different way in a postseason rematch. Steve Spagnola with the ultimate, game of chess against Cincinnati this season, and man, it worked out. I cannot wait to see what happens with these two teams. Like I said, you know, and I might be contradicting all the praise that I'm giving Spagnola right now. I think this is going to be a shootout. You know, I'm not going to give my game pick 
until Friday at Radio Row, like I have done every year for the past five Super Bowls that I've covered. I'm going to hold off on my game pick. But I'll tell you this right now. If you're dying for an early bet, if you want to attack an early line, hop on that over. I mean, I don't even think it's 50. You're telling me 27-24 is going to cash in and over? I think this game could be 37-31, whichever side it falls on. I'm telling you right now, hit that over. If it's still 48 and a half was the last I saw it, maybe 49, depending on the book you're using. Shop around as always, but hit that over. I think Kansas City and the Eagles are going to give us an absolute shootout of a treat in Arizona. We'll be right back on Serralo Sports Talk. Ross Tucker joining the show. We're going to talk Brady. We're going to talk Chiefs. We're going to talk Eagles. And we're going to talk press box spreads right here on Serralo Sports Talk. We're back here on Serralo Sports Talk and joining the show for the third time. He's a color analyst for Westwood One, covers the Eagles, former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker. Ross, thanks so much for joining the show. Of course, Joe. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course, Russ, you know, the timing here is incredible because last year we had you on and it was the day after Tom Brady retired for the first time. So now (laughs) I've got you on the day that Tom Brady retires, which seems like officially for the second and final time. Russ, uh, this has to be it, right? Tom Brady has to be done for real this time. I would be shocked if he came back this time. Yeah, Yeah, I think um, I think after what happened last year, I think if he thought that was a possibility. I just don't think he would have announced it now. I I just don't see why he would have announced it now. There was no compelling reason for him to put that video out this morning. So um, I would be very, very surprised if he decided to come back and play. I'm not going to say it's 0%, but very, very low. I think he knows how bad that would look. And I think he is the type of person that would not have put the video out this time, uh, the second time without being sure about it. How much do you think Tom not being able to break his own news last year influenced him coming back? Do you think the only reason that he came back is because Adam Schefter broke his retirement and he didn't get to do it himself like he did this morning? No, I don't think he's that petty. (laughs) I don't think, I don't think he cares that much to do that. Um, I think he was conflicted a year ago and everybody kept asking him about it. There was all this speculation. So I think he just felt like not having to continue to answer questions about it. And then probably almost immediately regretted it afterwards. Plus there's also all these rumors that he was trying to go to the Miami dolphins and get ownership and be with Sean Payton or whatever. Right. And so you know, I think maybe stepping away or retiring from the Bucks, the way he did last year might have been that might have been part of the equation. Now, Ross, the last thing on Brady, obviously, the guy was a teammate of yours for what, about a year and a half. Are you selfishly mad that he retired? Because last year you told me that the only thing your daughters really cared about about your football career was that you snapped the ball to Tom Brady. So are, are you selfishly upset that you can't, you know, claim that the GOAT, the guy who you played with is still in the league? Joe, you got a good memory, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, um, my daughters are starting to ask a lot of questions. Like, how come you never went to a Pro Bowl, Daddy? How come you're <laughs> not in the Hall of Fame? Because I went to Vaselli's, uh Hall of Fame celebration, induction, and party this summer. Right. They want to know why I wasn't a Hall of Famer. They want to know why I didn't go to the Pro Bowl. 
And it's like, well, girls, because I wasn't good enough. <laughs> I wasn't that good. Um, but no, um, I was actually selfishly hoping Brady kept playing. Although I'm a little conflicted on that. You know, yes, it would have been great um, if he kept playing for my benefit, because on some level, the longer Brady played, you know, since I was a teammate of his and snapped the ball to him and stuff, kind of keeps me more relevant. You know, people like you want to talk to me about him and <laughs> talk about him and what makes him so special and all that stuff. Um, plus, my daughters, you know, every year they start a new school year. And it's like they can tell all the boys in class, everybody in class, that their daddy was teammates with Tom Brady. That's pretty cool in central Pennsylvania, man. Really cool. Uh, the flip side of that is I didn't really enjoy watching him play this year. You know, yeah. um, it was a bummer. He He wasn't playing great. The O-line around him stunk. Their team wasn't very good. And I don't think any of us that ever played with him and like him, which is pretty much everybody's ever played with him, I don't think any of us ever wanted to see him perform like that, which is to say not well and to struggle. That was not fun to watch. Yeah, I think whether you cheered for or against him for the past few decades, it definitely was a disappointing way to see a guy who was on top of the world just two years ago kind of, you know, go out with, what, an 8-10 and 10 season factoring in that playoff loss. It uh, definitely wasn't the way that many of us expected Tom to go out. But, Ross, you know, I, I want to flip it to one of the competing teams uh, coming up in a week and a half in the Super Bowl. You spend a lot of time covering this Eagles team very closely. So from your coverage of them going back to the preseason, what was maybe the biggest indicator you saw that this team was for real and this team was going to cause a lot of trouble this year? I think in the um, in the preseason during training camp, I started having people tell me that certain players were better than they thought they would be. Mm -hmm. And the, this is even people within the organization. Like, they knew Hassan Reddick was good. They didn't know he was this good yeah. when they signed him. They knew Bradbury was good. They didn't know Bradbury was this good. They knew A.J. Brown was really good. I think he's even better than they realized when they traded for him from Tennessee. So you start to hear Kaiser White. Um, it was one of those weird years, Joe, where it seemed like every move Howie Roseman made and every guy they brought in was actually somehow even better than they anticipated. They traded for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and – he led the NFL in interceptions and he missed five games. I mean, yeah. like they, they just, uh, listen, I grew up outside of Philly, diehard Eagles fans. They never wanted me. You see the helmets behind me, Joe. I played for five teams. None of them are the Eagles, but to this day, this is, I would say easily the best Eagles team I've ever seen. Now they might lose okay. next Sunday. You know, they might lose to the chiefs in the super bowl. And, and then obviously people won't talk about that, but their roster I mean, when's the last time a team had the best offensive line and defensive line in the NFL? It's when's ridiculous. The last time that same team, yeah, when's the last time that same team had the best wide receivers in franchise history? Probably the best corners in franchise history. Yeah. And MVP candidate quarterback. I mean, they're just loaded, dude. Yeah, I mean, and just to really, you know, further hammer home how dominant they are, when Jalen Hurts plays, you know, people, because they look at them and, all right, 14 and three, well, the Chiefs were also 14 and three, but when Jalen Hurts plays 16 and one this year, the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, they're not just, 
the one seed. They're not just the best team in the country. They're one of the more dominant teams we've ever seen, at least myself in my 24 years. 16-1 and one with their starting quarterback out there. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm glad you brought up Tony Baselli, though, a couple minutes ago, by the way, because I want to shift gears to the Hall of Fame. We know the 15 finalists. And last year, we actually spent some time talking about Baselli, thinking would last year finally be the year it was. They got it right. He's inducted. Looking at this year's class, we've got the 15 finalists. I want to ask about another O-lineman, a first ballot guy, Joe Thomas. What kind of chance do you think he has to get inducted on his first ballot. I know that they don't like to put too many first ballot guys in in the same class. This year, you've got Darrell Rivas, Joe Thomas. <laughs> Both should be surefire guys. You think Thomas gets in? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, the guy never missed a snap. And I think actually, weirdly, you know how Baselli was kind of hurt probably? by the fact that he played for the Jaguars mm -hmm. and had a shorter career and it's the Jaguars. I think Joe Thomas being the face of the Browns for that long, and quite frankly, Joe, them being that bad for that long, I think that plays in his favor. I really do. Like, usually it's like, how many Super Bowls did they win? You know, how, how many games they win? <clears throat> I think... The fact that he only ever played in Cleveland and that they were that terrible actually plays in his favor. I really do. Huh. I think he'll get it on the first ballot because I think he deserves it. Uh, so does Revis. I mean, both those guys, I'd be very surprised if they're not first ballot guys. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, I know usually it seems like most years we get one first ballot guy and then other guys who have quote unquote paid their dues, but I'm with you. I mean, how do you leave Revis or Joe Thomas off the ballot? It would be ridiculous to me. Very, very hard. I agree. Now, Ross, for this one, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of thinking. Obviously, you know, every week when you're with Westwood One, you're going stadium to stadium, covering all different teams, all <laughs> different games. I, I want a top three ranking from you here this year. Give me your top three tuck spreads. Best press box food that you've seen in the NFL all season. Um, I love this because this is branding <clears throat> and this is, uh, it's funny. My parents paid for me to go to Princeton and, uh, number one school in the country, by the way. And when most people meet them, they say, oh yeah, oh, you're, you're Ross Tucker's mom. He's the guy that does the press box food videos, right? <laughs> and my parents are just like horrified that they, uh, that they paid to, for me to be that it's, right all, all those 60 hour work weeks your dad and, and your mom put in just for you to be uh putting out videos of buffets every sunday uh you know what i think you send your kids to college so that they have opportunities to do what they want in life and i am absolutely doing what <laughs> i want and for sure posting the press box food is part of that um so number one was the cowboys on thanksgiving Ooh, just so good bro i mean by far the best Thanksgiving spread I've ever been a part of. Sorry, mom. Sorry, <laughs> grandma. Sorry to my wife. Sorry to my mother-in-law. But just incredible, man. Like, I can't even tell you how good it was. They had a different spread at halftime, a different spread post-game. I mean, I could have just lived there that night. It was <laughs> unreal. So Cowboys on Thanksgiving for sure. Then I would say um, Lambo. 
I did the Monday night game against the Rams. I'm a, I'm very partial to Lambeau because they have the best salad bar in the league. Mm. They always have a terrific, and I mean terrific, entree, whatever it is. But, Joe, it's hard to beat those two brats I have at halftime. I mean, it's hard to beat that. <laughs> They're so good. You probably shouldn't eat two brats in four minutes. But <laughs> I'm, not a, uh, I'm not a mere mortal here. Putting up and Joey Chestnut numbers. Last one. That's tough because the Bills against the Bengals was so good. They had beef on weck mac and cheese Oof. and wings from Lenovo. But then the Eagles on Sunday had filet mignon and, and mashed potatoes and pulled pork and uh, sausage paella. So I'm going to go with a tie. Uh, both those teams clearly stepped it up in the playoffs, the Bills and the Eagles, at least at least in the press box. Yeah, I mean, geez, even though the, the two games, Bills, Bengals, and Eagles, Niners, weren't the best games, it sounds like it was the best eating you've done this postseason, man. Not bad, not bad. It was excellent. I was very happy. That's awesome. Ross, look, I know you're on a crunch, man. Before I let you go, Valentine's Day is two days after the big game this year. I know that you're here with my front page story. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I know I told you about last year. Um, it's it's taken off, man. Everyone's realizing that it's by far the best gift to get your significant other. Like, what else are you going to get them? Flowers or chocolates. To be able to talk to one of their writers for five minutes, give them a few quotes about how great your wife is or whatever. They write the most unbelievable story. It's framed. Looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. Beautiful and just being able to say to her, hey, babe, I want to do something special for you this year. So I had a story written about you. Like, that just sounds awesome to tell somebody you had a story written about them. And then when they actually look at it, read the quotes from you or maybe the kids or whatever, they cry every time, Joe. You're young, so you don't realize this yet. But <laughs> if you get your wife to, to uh, or whoever, your significant other to cry happy tears, you're doing something. Myfrontpagestory.com, trust me myfrontpagestory.com make sure you check it out make sure you follow ross tucker on twitter and follow how many podcasts are you doing now ross uh five yeah ross tucker football podcast is daily even money is the very successful betting one fantasy feast for the fantasy folks college draft which gets you ready for the nfl draft and then andrew brandt does the business of sports podcast as well so just trying to be like you joe a media savant, I believe, is what I called you last time I had you on. Ross Tucker, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'll see you guys next week live from Radio Row ahead of the Super Bowl down in Arizona. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.